Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. We are jumping through the book of Samuel and using Samuel as a way to reflect upon Jesus for Christmas. Now, if you were here last week, we looked at, remember, um, we, in the Old Testament, the order is it goes, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, there's no Ruth, then Samuel. At the end of Judges, does anyone remember what was the fundamental problem with Israel? Does anyone remember? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no what? No king. Okay, now that's important. There's no king. Now here we get to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and the people ask for a king, and it's frowned upon. It's like, oh, that's a little odd. So what what is happening here? Now Samuel, as a book, there's a a theme that if you can get your head around will help you really understand what the purpose of the book is. Samuel is about replacing sons. So at the beginning in Samuel chapter 1, we're introduced to Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, the the wicked priests that are operating in Shiloh, and Samuel becomes a replacement son for for Eli and his sons. And now we've skipped a lot of um, history. There's a whole bunch of warfare fighting the Philistines, and there's a, a great big victory that Samuel leads the Israelites through prayer, and Yahweh is victorious over the Philistines. And you may have heard the word Ebenezer. That him, Ebenezer, my Ebenezer, Ebenezer is just this, this rock that Samuel puts up to remember God's victory against the Philistines. And now it's like history repeats itself. We're told here that Samuel, when he is old, he has two sons, Joel and Abijah, and they serve in Beersheba. And what's the problem with them, with them that the text tells us? They do wrong. It's history repeating itself. So now we need another replacement son, which is Saul. And then if you keep reading the book of Samuel, Saul is replaced by David. And eventually, with Christmas, David's replaced by Jesus. So that's a theme that's important throughout Samuel, if you get your head around. But what is happening today? Why is this decision to have a king so wicked. Why is Samuel so angry? Why is God actually saying, hey, like these guys have been forsaking me and serving other gods since day dot? What is so bad? Okay, well, if you have your phones, because I know we're modern people, we, some of us might have your Bibles. Why don't you open um, 1 Samuel chapter 7? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 7. Even though we read chapter 8, we're going to look at chapter 7 for a bit. I get up there. And in chapter 7, there is this great victory. The Philistines have surrounded the Israelites. 
And we'll read here. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7. Hopefully you've all got it. It says here, When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And I'll skip forward a bit. Samuel offers a sacrifice. And then it says here in verse 10, When Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. Who was responsible for the victory at that moment? God. There you go. Like all good Sunday school answers, God or Jesus is the answer. God. Now, 30 years later, roughly, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, who do the Israelites want to fight their battles? A king. Do you see what the problem is there? They don't want God to be fighting for them. They want a king. Now, in the ancient world, unlike the modern world today, your best fighter was your king. Imagine Albo leading the army out in the charge. You couldn't imagine that. But that's who you picked in the ancient world. You picked a king. Yeah, I can see. Lots of chuckles there. You can't imagine it, can you? There'd be no... Probably Putin, he'd be the only one I could imagine that could actually lead a battle. But that's who you'd want. A big, strong, tall, muscular king to lead battles and defeat your enemies. In the book of Deuteronomy, it was actually Moses foretold this in Deuteronomy chapter 17, that actually there will be a king. But the difference between the Israelite king and a king like all the other nations is quite radically profound. And we're told here, if you want to look, this is Deuteronomy chapter 17. This is from verse 14. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, and you've taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us, like all the other nations around us, be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses. And it goes on a bit. Now this is what is special. When the king takes throne, this is verse 18, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decree. And do not consider himself better than his fellow Israelite and turn from the law to the right or to the left. That's the difference. Imagine that. When the Moses predicted, okay, at some point you're going to want a king. But it's going to be a king that God will choose. And this king will be such a humble man that he will get Torah. The words that Moses wrote down, he will write that out. He'll write out Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's a lot of writing to put on a scroll. And that will be what guides him. And he'll do that so he is a humble man who rules as how God would want. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the Israelites, they want a king to be like everyone else. 
And friends, as Christians, it can be a bit easy to think, ah, we want a king, we want a God that reflects us. Our view of God may be, my God shares my political views, my social views, my economic views, my views on life. We, we are guilty of doing this, of wanting a God or a king or a ruler over us that seems to reflect who we want, not what God wants, not under the framework of Scripture. And that's so important. That's why that passage in Deuteronomy 17 is an important background for understanding 1 Samuel chapter 8, because that is the man who is supposed to rule over Israel, someone who is guided by Torah. They live and breathe this stuff. And friends, the, is the God in our own image, the people we follow, the kings that we want, are they a, a person, a man, a woman who is after God's heart? Are they someone who lives and breathes scripture that helps us to reflect Jesus more and more? And so when Samuel takes this request to God, he gives him a warning. And it's a pretty dire warning. And I'll reread some of what he says here. This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve of his chariots and horses. And they'll run in front of chariots. He'll sign some to the commanders of thousands, commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and gives them to his attendants. He'll take Take a tenth of your grain and all of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When this day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Now that word slaves, what does that remind you of? Egypt. Samuel's saying, hey, guess what? If you appoint a king like this, if you go down this road, it's going to be like being back in Egypt. That's what's going to happen. You're going to become slaves. The, the, what was interesting about Israelite society pre, pre-monarchy was it was God was in charge and you had leaders, judges, rulers who looked over different tribal areas. And you would come together at times of crises. But the idea was there wasn't one man who controlled everything. That is a Canaanite way of living. And if you read, say, the book of Joshua, you'll see many of the um, people that Joshua defeats, they're kings. Kings are people who take. In Israel, you're meant to be giving. You're giving of each other. You do not take. But when you go down that route of, I want a king to be like all the other nations to fight our battle, he will take and take and take. And eventually, it will feel like slavery. And the book of Samuel is, funnily enough, not written by the prophet Samuel, but several hundred years later after his death, most likely. And there at that time, probably when King Solomon was reigning, and he essentially did this to Israel, I mean, forced slave labor, there are Samuel's words there haunting The Israelites, this is what is going to happen to you. It will be like returning back 
to Egypt. And if we push that back into our own context, this is what happens to us. If we go down this route of having a king who will fight our own battles for us so that we can look like everyone else around us, may start off good, it may be okay at first, but eventually it becomes slavery. You enter your own Egypt, and before you know it, you're a slave. A slave to addiction, a slave to a person, a slave to an idea, a slave to sin, and you are trapped. But unlike here in 1 Samuel 8, where Samuel says, Hey, you'll cry out to the Lord, and he's not going to answer you on that day. Jesus will answer that. Jesus breaks through that. On that um, day when Jesus was being um, put on trial before Pilate, Jesus said, my, my kingdom is not of this world. We, we follow a king that, yeah, sure, Jesus came to this earth, but his kingdom isn't to establish worldly values that we deem are important. The Jesus of the Bible he may not share your social, your economic, your political views. This is what is challenging about Scripture. In many ways, 1 Samuel 8, this is, this is what the beautiful thing about biblical narrative is. It, it's a story. It seems very simple. You can teach it to children. But it's not simplistic because it's like a mirror. So as you read this, you're meant to reflect upon yourself. Am I like this? Do I seek a king? to fight my own battles instead of Yahweh, instead of God. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the, the idea is that the Philistines are there. There's no way they can have victory apart from Samuel praying and God bringing that loud thunderclap. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to trust in God for your battles, not in a human king. If you have your phones, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 9 now. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're introduced to a man. A man called Saul. And 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 2, we're told that there, Saul, he's a, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than everyone else. Ah, isn't that what Israel wanted? Isn't that what they wanted? Was a king like that. And what's really cool, here's some little nerdy Hebrew facts, which I know you all love, because you know everyone loves to learn a little Hebrew on a Sunday morning, is that when the people were asking, Hashalim, that's the root word from Hashalim, is actually Saul. So like asking. This same constant, this idea here is they're asking, they're asking for a king, and what they asked for, they have gotten Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're introduced to this figure of Saul, big, tall Saul. He's handsome, he is tall, he is impressive. And when we're first introduced to Saul, he is given a mission by his father, Kish, which is to go and retrieve his father's donkeys. Now, Think of some of the great heroes of the faith. Um, Abel, Abraham, Moses, or even David. What, what occupation did they have? 
Anyone think? Oh, I hear Morris. Caring for animals. Excellent. Excellent. Human beings, as, as image bearers of God, we're called to rule and subdue over the animals. A sign of a good leader is someone in the Bible who can rule over animals. Okay? Now, what's Saul do? He is tasked to go and find these donkeys, and he spends lots and lots of time. In fact, it tells us several days they're wandering around and they cannot find these donkeys. That's a subtle little hint that the narrative is setting up, that the Israelites are getting the king they deserve. They wanted a king to fight their battles. They want someone big and tall and handsome. God's going to give them that. He's a man who at his core is not up to the task. Now, if you read the life of Saul, he begins quite well and ends in utter failure. And the fact that he can't find the donkeys, it sets up that Saul's life's mission becomes just to destroy King, oh, he wasn't King then, David. And Saul spends years and years trying to hunt down David and cannot find him. This passage in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and by 1 Samuel chapter 9 by extension, I said before, they are like mirrors. Hold us up and make us reflect upon who is the king in our life who is the god that we worship who are the things that we're striving for do we just trust in god for our victory for our ebenezer or do we want to be like everyone else around us sad thing is we've got this throne here to reflect upon jesus at this time of christmas also, too, when Jesus was being was, was on trial that day before Pilate, then the Jews say, we have no king but Caesar. It's also terrifying that throughout Israel's history, they continually rejected God. They rejected his laws, rejected his command. They rejected the very son of God himself on that day. And friends, hey, this is an opportunity for you to reflect. To reflect upon the, the history of the Israelites and go, well, who do I want my king to be? Do I want it to be the one who is currently sitting on the throne, who actually is perfectly embodied Torah, better than any Israelite king? And he didn't just write it down. He breathed it out himself. He lives it. He embodies it. Jesus Christ. And when you follow him, that's going to challenge some things and it challenges me because i have my own way of doing things i have my own view on things have things i just want to do which doesn't match with what jesus wants but samuel's warning which was given to the israelites which still in a sense is a warning for all of us if we choose a king like all the nations around us we will become slaves. It's like returning back to Egypt. And no one wants to be a slave. Because God hasn't called us to be slaves. He's called us to be free. So friends, today, what will you choose? It's the question I leave for you this morning. 
While I leave you a moment to ponder on that, I'm going to pray for us. Father, as we've seen in your word, just the, the challenge of it, that when the Israelites wanted a king, they didn't want a man after your own heart, they wanted to look like the nations around them. And Lord, today we are still guilty of that. And so, Lord, we give you thanks that when we are trapped in slavery, when we're bound up to the pharaohs and living in Egypt, that, Lord, that you will come and rescue us, and you have rescued us upon the cross. And so today, Lord, I pray that those that need freedom from slavery, that you will release their chains, that you will unbind them to find the new heart, new hope, and new life that only Jesus Christ can bring. And Lord, I pray all of this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.